0: hello and welcome to two hearts a new Who podcast i'm james and i'm callum and you're not your father you know why because you didn't hit the podcast <laughs> every fortnight uh, or month as it may be here on two hearts we take a look at another episode from the doctor who revival and today it's christmas 2010 all over again because we're going to take a look at the christmas special from that year a christmas carol um always at top of the episode quick reminder we are on twitter facebook and instagram and that's at two hearts pod the number two Um, And you can also email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's two, the word two. Get in touch, especially at Christmas time. We're two very lonely people and we love to hear from you. (laughs) So um, that's that on that. James, how are you?
1: I am, well, you can probably hear it in my voice. I am getting over a bit of a a nasal uh, infection. Uh, Not COVID, not COVID, just a cough, just a cough, Um, which is great. Um, You know, it's been a fun, fun week having all of my orifices, having a little moment. Uh, But outside of that, I am generally pretty great. Uh, You know, it's the end of the year. It's It's a fun time to reflect on how far we've come and how far we have yet to go. Uh, and yeah, it's just stuff to think about. How, how about you?
0: Uh, good to hear from you, James. You know, we don't often keep in touch. So it's lovely to hear your voice. Um, mm. that was a joke. Um, uh, look, you you say you don't have COVID. That's true. I uh, don't have COVID either. Uh, but I do have a housemate who is ill with coronavirus at this current time. So, uh, looking at just, just it kind of isolating in my room, um, which is awful and like i don't even have it so i don't know how i'm gonna do if i do catch it because uh you can already hear my voice i'm pretty anxious as it
1: is (laughs) yeah yeah this idea that like we're supposed to just not care about catching covid anymore is just categorically wild to me Mm. Uh, and i hate it
0: i hate it too i hate it too the worst part is I can't turn the air conditioning on. So it's very, very hot because it's Australian summer here. So we're watching this episode, which is all like wintry and beautiful. And meanwhile, on this side of the planet, everything is melting.
1: I guess everybody thinks melting everywhere. Oh, <laughs> the, also, the problem is not to have like a weather minute at the top of the podcast here, but like it's also not hot in a traditional summer sense. Like the sun is quite hot. The air can be quite cool because our weather is totally fucked now and it was raining over the past night. So it's very muggy today as well. Mm. It is just a very unpleasant summer so far. Yeah. Sticky, sticky. I feel wet, wet, sticky a sticky and wet summer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, we do have some Doctor Who news to talk about though, that we haven't uh, discussed yet. And obviously this will be well out into the sphere of the world. You'll have seen these pictures already, but we did get a little sneak Look at Shooty Gatwa's was
1: uh, Doctor Who costume. Yes, yes, he is certainly in a costume.
0: <laughs> it's hard to dis. De- well, I don't know about you, James. I find it hard to describe it because it's it's well, it's not hard to describe, but just because it's not a costume in my eyes, it's it's it is the closest we've ever gotten to someone just wearing clothes <laughs> since. Um, since uh matt not matt smith uh chris freckleston wore that leather yes, jacket i
1: i agree it is very chris freckleston uh adjacent um you know like I, I think peter capaldi obviously had a like capital c costume uh a lot and um uh, uh jodie whittaker Jodie Whittaker, I, I kept going back to Jenna Coleman in my head. I was like, "That's not right." Jenna. <laughs> um, Jodie Whittaker's costume, I think, was also very costumey. You know, like that—that that show did not enjoy depicting her as anything other than a static image of the Doctor. So, um, to see Shooty's like first sort of like foray into fashion, be one—you know—it is quite a interesting combination of of modern and I guess like retro chic. You know, we're looking at brown tones, we've got a bright orange undershirt sweater thing, which actually it's a crop top. I, I think somebody saw photos of it without the um the jacket over the top, but it is like a crop top basically. Yeah. um, which is a fun little flirty addition. Uh, and he's just got some some you know brown leather boots.
0: Yeah, it's all very H and M. Uh, which isn't a problem, yeah. you know. But <laughs> it's uh, it, I don't know. I, I you can attest to this, James. I saw it for the first time, and I was just like a bit ah. Oh. Like a bit underwhelmed, but I am sure it's going to grow on me very, very quickly. Uh, yes, he's also got two necklaces on, which is quite cute. I've just noticed, and he's got rings and like little Gallifreyan symbols on his nails, which I find like I'm glad that he's accessorizing Wait, the nails. Yeah, the- he did a video showing them off, and like you can just see these little the little symbols that have been around since the show was rebooted in 2005 on his huh. uh, on his nails, like little yeah drawings
1: yeah that's quite cute actually it is it absolutely is and it's i mean it's a little twee but, <laughs> but well it's such a,
0: <laughs> it's a small detail that you wouldn't pick up on screen unless he like flashed them to the camera and was like these are a big plot point and you got to remember them."
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the coordinates to gallifrey are on my nails um oh <laughs> well, yeah Yes. So, yes. Cute. Nice. Nice outfit. Uh, very, very, uh, very human. Uh, speaking of which, um, Millie Gibson's... Uh, what's her name? Something... Well, r- if
0: you ask Shudy uh, r- Gatwa, r- it's Millie fucking Gibson.
1: <laughs> oh, well, That's it. Uh, yes. Do, do you want to talk the listeners through that video? I, I do. Um, so, there was a shooty
0: I don't know who... Po- I think it was Shudy posted a video of him walking to millie gibson's trailer aka ruby sunday and they're kind of doing this like ruPaul-esque like back and forth between each other and he's like oh and here's millie gibson's trailer otherwise known as ruby sunday and she's like yeah millie freaking gibson and and then he goes millie fucking gibson (laughs) and i can't help but laugh because it's the first like i don't think we've ever seen Hey, I don't think we've ever seen an actor, two actors who are the heading of the show be so socially media, socially media, um, social media, um, present. Um, but just them swearing very, very casually. Um, I don't know. It's just incredibly modern.
1: Uh, yes, I completely agree. It is, it's very modern. It's very fun. It's very flirty and fresh. Um, she looks adorable. Um, she's got this kind of like denim on denim, uh, black boots, uh, little cute sweater underneath. It's, I don't know. She certainly looks just like a cool, hip young girl in London. Um, she looks perfect. She is. And someone said
0: that she was wearing Doc Martens. So she's a lesbian, which I find either problematic or very funny.
1: Oh, that's going to be, yeah. Hopefully both actually. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. So, yeah. It up, Russell.
0: They've started filming the show. It's starting. Um, we'll probably start seeing some more stuff soon. Uh, everyone, I think everyone was holding out for a Christmas special, but it's highly unlikely it's going to happen. Obviously, we're a couple of days away from Christmas at this stage. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, no, no new Doctor Who until next year. But at least we know we'll see them next year, which is exciting.
1: Yes. It's also interesting having this kind of, like, concurrent promotion cycle at the moment where... Like, we've seen, you know, set images and and costume reveals and magazine covers for um, uh, David Tennant coming back. And then we're also getting this kind of behind-the-scenes promo hype-up cycle for shooty season as well. And I, I kind of like that they're not letting one overshadow the other. It's just this kind of holistic Doctor Who promotion. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it's with that, that new logo, the Disney Plus money behind it, obviously. Like, I, I do think that the marketing team is on one single page together. And it's, it's forming like a pretty effective, like news cycle because I feel like people are pretty constantly talking about Dr. Who now. Um, and that's, that's weird and exciting in a, in a, in a weird
0: way. It is exciting because we haven't had, like you say, we have just haven't had, um, the, the main stars of the show, like have any presence, you know? Um, and that was one of the things we always lamented about the last, uh, TARDIS team was like you saw Mandip Gill and mm. Jody Whitaker, they had an incredible chemistry, but we didn't really see it until it was gone, you know. Um, yep, and even then, like it was never on screen. I just, yeah, it's it it's it's nice to just see two people, two young people, just kind of enjoying themselves and enjoying this journey and uh, reserving judgment for the show until it's actually out, um, but just it, it bodes well for the future mm. agreed agreed um with that being said let's start to talk about the main thing of this episode gallum's lost <laughs> the ability to talk apparently um technically this is part of series six but it's the christmas special so it's just a christmas carol written by Stephen moffat directed by toby haynes james friend of the show friend of the show toby haynes friend of the show in the very loosest sense because he directed a couple of episodes of andor which has been the thing of
1: the year. the best tv show of 2022 probably definitely if i hate Susie didn't exist um well i feel like that can be tied for first place but that's
0: a later conversation that is a later conversation we are actually going to
1: talk about that later <laughs> Oh yeah, probably should have said this at the top of the show, but before we get into anything else, uh, we did kind of want to use the back end of this episode to just, I don't know, like generally talk about 2022, things that we've liked, stories we've enjoyed, things we're thankful for. So, you know, obviously feel free to tune in for that little cutesy conversation. Uh, But yeah, in the meantime, a Christmas Carol. Well,
0: I think it's my turn this time, isn't it? It is. So you... I'm just getting you back on track. Ah, thank you. No, thank you. No, I really appreciate that. Um... Mm. (laughs) So Christmas Carol... uh... James, you're going to challenge me to recount the plot in 60 seconds.
1: Yes. Are you ready? 60 second plot description. Are you ready? Uh, no.
0: I'm no, I'm
1: never ready. All right. I'm
0: never ready. Um, and as, as testament is the fact that, you know, you do some good synopses and I go, Bla? blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he goes, oh, I'm a fish. I'm a bitch fish. I'm I'm a bitch.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's That's the one. That's the word that I love to say, apparently. It is, it is. All right, you ready? Yep. All right, three, two, one. So the Doctor has sent Amy and Rory off on a honeymoon on a spaceship, but the the spaceship's got caught in a cloud belt around a planet, uh, the name of which we don't know. And the planet is ruled, there's a city on the planet, and it's ruled by Kazran Sardik, who's this miserly old man. And he won't uh, release the ship from the cloud belt. So the Doctor comes in and he's like, I'm going to make you a good person, Sardik. And he goes back in time to when he's a kid to try and... Make him better, and as he's doing that, he also, uh, th- for reasons, uh, they get a woman from sardic's dad's cellar, and they take her out of her cryo sleep. But she's sick, and she's gonna die, and she only has one day left. And sardic's really angry because the doctor made him fall in love with her. So in the future, he's really angry. Uh, the doctor shows his, Sardik his younger self, which makes him repent. And Ten then Sardik and, and the, the woman, she sings into the microphone. She sings into the sky and the clouds part and everyone's saved at the end. And S- Kazran is lovely. I hate doing these. I hate it. I hate it. They're exhausting, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had more time. There is no plot here. This is not a plot-heavy episode. I thought for sure I would get through this one, but that was...
1: Oh, anyway.
0: (laughs) What did Uh, you think?
1: Look, I mean, a relatively succinct one. I I think you did uh, skip over the, uh, what, the human basement. Um, But that's okay. (laughs) I didn't know how to describe it. It's a vault. There's a lot of
0: backstory needed for that. It's a vault where Sardik keeps people for collateral, for debts.
1: We'll we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, As we always like to start here. I didn't even mention the fish. Uh, we'll, We'll get to them. A Christmas Carol. What do you think? A Christmas Carol. So, this is pretty
0: consistently voted one of the best, if not the best, use of the Christmas format for Doctor Who. Um, I'm not here to make that claim about whether it's the best or not, but it is very, very, very good. Um, And, yeah, I I massively enjoyed watching it this time around. I I I do think it has lost some of the power that it had over a younger version of me now. And I I, hopefully through this episode will pinpoint exactly why that is. Um, But I still think it's very good. What about you?
1: Uh, So this is the first time I've ever seen this one. Um, We're going to have that happen a couple of times over the next uh, couple of seasons, actually, which is exciting and interesting. Um, So I get to have like a a pretty fresh perspective on it as a fully grown adult with no nostalgia. Um, I loved it. I... You know, there's a couple of, like, little production hitches that I could do without. I think there's some weird gender politics going on as well. But, I mean, it's an early Moffat script. Of course, there's weird gender politics going on. Um, Generally, though, I think that, especially as kind of, like, the the chaser to the shot that was uh the series 5 finale this is another like very time is magic episode and he frames it through you know a christmas carol this time um and in doing so lets himself run even looser with these ideas and the end result is like a, a deeply romantic hopeful but also very much in touch with the the bittersweet nature of things like this is an episode that is comfortable being like hey your time will eventually run out, but that doesn't mean that your time doesn't matter or that it can't be beautiful. Um, and I think packaging that up in a relatively effective Christmas story, you know, uh, there's the carols, it's, it's got the trappings of a Christmas story here. Um, but there's also really hard sci-fi going on underneath. And like I said before, about the emotional sort of journey you go on, it's just, it's good. its It's a really good episode of Doctor Who. It is a good
0: episode and I I you've brought up something which I was thinking about when I was watching it which is just how Moffat will return to this theme pretty consistently over the next few years because obviously we get The Snowmen which is very much about death which baked into the the main plotline of <clears throat> the what it's setting up with Clara um but then you also get something like Husbands of River Song which is which is a a um a representation of the question that Kazran poses to the Doctor in the end of this episode where he's like, if you had one day left with your, with your beloved, you know, what would you, which day would you choose? Um, he literally Mm. does that in that episode. Um, so it's nice to see this well-rounded, um, return of themes, uh, across doctors, I suppose, but still, you know, um, across this particular era of the show. Um, and, it has this kind of melancholic edge to it, which, which I don't think R. T. D. ever really properly gave into. I don't think he, he ever intended to do that kind of thing with Christmas. It was either happy, 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 or like moments of tragedy, but it was never Mm. mournful, I guess is the word I want to use, even though it's still a happy ending. Um, there is just something here. I'm
1: just going to ramble basically until you (laughs) cut me off. I mean, it, it it's kind of a rambly episode, right like this is a, a kind of like a string of consciousness ideas because I remember like you know you kick off with the um, the honeymoon stuff on the ship which you know, I mean, okay let's let's compartmentalize a little bit. Amy and Rory aren't in this very much um, when they are in it, it's good like they're, they're a lot of fun they are still Amy and Rory. my favorite running gag being that they are interrupted on their honeymoon. In their bedroom, uh, essentially what I described to you as they are role playing as themselves. <laughs> He's dressed up as the Roman centurion. She's gone back to wearing the Kissagram cop outfit, um, and I just think that's that's very funny and goofy and silly. Uh, did you did you enjoy them in this? I did enjoy them in this. I
0: I I had a moment where I realised that they're not really they don't really feature in any Christmas special, because um, <laughs> the next one they're not in it and then they're gone. And I was just like, oh, it would have been nice to get a more of a amy and rory focused christmas episode but only from the sense that i like amy and rory they yeah. they are yeah they are basically sidelined in this episode so the doctor can be the doctor and i do want to talk about matt smith because i think he probably puts in his best performance ever so far in this episode um
1: uh yeah so far i i'd, I'd probably agree with that yeah, yeah.
0: um uh yeah they, they are basically cosplaying as themselves you have sex and i do i i i don't know i have a a small reservation about moffat's like he's got a particularly bawdy sense of uh like humor sometimes and like it's pretty clear the joke of what he's doing here i don't not to interrupt you there mm, a, a what sense of humor bawdy like um uh lewd sexual oh i've never heard that term before B a W-D-Y. Yeah. Bowdy. Anyway. The more you know. The more you know. Um, I don't think he would ever do that with a queer couple. But, you know, this is early Stephen Moffat. There's still some wrinkles in the whole makeup of the man. Um, So that's just a small... Amy and Rory have always been written as pretty sex-positive characters though, right? Sure. But is the writer sex-positive for all kinds of relationships? That's my question.
1: Oh well, I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm very excited for when we get to revisit Bill.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's it. This is there's a spectrum. We and we view yeah. the growth across seven, eight years. So we, it's not. We do. Yeah. Um. It's not really much of a discussion point, to be honest. But I'm just, just voicing it because I have a platform in which to voice it. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, uh, Amy and Rory are pretty well sidelined for this whole episode. They're just... There is one really good scene with Amy where she plays ghosts... Because, the, the, obviously, so it's using... And it's a very good twist, Doctor Who twist on a, on a classic Christmas tale, which is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Uh, and so it uses the format of ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And so Amy steps into the role of Christmas present as a hologram that comes to Kazran, who's the Scrooge character, um, to show him, mm. you know the consequences of his actions like the people who are going to die because of his miserliness um and like it's a small part but it's 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 effective nonetheless so yeah but there's
1: not really much amy and rory to talk about yeah no true agreed um the other thing about the sort of intro to this episode i mean obviously matt smith falling down the chimney in a very like father christmasy fashion was very cute and a very good sort of like well, and here's the thing, what I thought was a tone establisher, but then, and I don't mean, usually I would mean this as, as a complaint or as a criticism of something, but like a Christmas carol has such an inconsistent tone. Um, sometimes it's kind of like a goofy flying fish fun adventure. And then other times it's this like hard sci-fi, mild time traveling tragedy. Um, and somehow they both work together really nicely. Uh, Cause you know, He comes down the chimney it's a big like how do you do about that's matt smith and he's fun and fun 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 um and then you know you pretty quickly start leaning into uh you know this scrooge character has frozen family members as collateral for debts in his basement which is a bonkers dystopia idea Mm -hmm. um and one that this this episode effectively uses for its plot but just kind of like I think it brushes over the true horror of what's going on here because it has to for A Christmas Carol to work. Um, but again, like, stuff like that, the, uh, you know, We Own the Skies, like, the idea that they've got, like, this machine that has effectively, like, tamed the skies um, is, again, very dystopian. This The way this town looks as, like, this cobbled-together vision of, like, old-timey English costuming and hard sci-fi, fucking fantastic. But these are all really bleak, dark components and then suddenly you've got like a shark floating through the air.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think, yeah, that is one thing I do really want to talk about, which is the the look of this episode, which is excellent. And the kind of grimy industrial sci-fi, but old elements to it. Steampunk probably is the word, but I don't think it's quite accurate. um, Mm. Of this episode is really good. I think the shark, I think the shark and the fish and the tonal inconsistencies of inherent in that i think they all they do fit because moffat is it's 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 world building right and so it's elements introduced in like steps and you like they all eventually they form a whole picture and you're so i think you're so enamored with the whole thing by the end that you don't really notice it but um it is yeah it is obviously um Incons. Well, not. In- I don't want to use the word inconsistent. It's. It's not inconsistent. It's. I think it's a whole vision of a world. Um, it's just a bit fantastical. And that's Moffat's <clears throat> thing, right? Um.
1: Yes, I guess just specifically on that point, like, and I brought this up to you before, but you know, the first time you see the fish, there's a like a small school of them, like circling a uh, like a light in the street, and it's a really striking image. Um, that I I, I loved. And them I don't have so much of a problem with. For me, the the problem is the bigger scale that you go, the more you see those details. And so when you just have, like, an Earth shark just floating through the air. Like, I'm just saying, give him, like, an extra fin or something. Make it a space shark somehow for me. Uh, Because I think strictly having you know, ocean, earth, fish floating through the air is where I find a bit of, like, visual inconsistency, at least. The idea is fantastic. Um, I just... I wanted a little bit more art direction, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. And it is probably worth noting that this is the
0: first episode uh, designed by Michael Pickwood, who would go on to do, among many things, um, the redesign of the TARDIS in a couple of years. So we know that definitely goes on to bigger better things when it comes to the design of the show. But yeah, it's, you know, first, maybe first time out, just. Mm.
1: Uh, no, I mean, he, he's got a really good instinct. Um, and he, he goes on to do some really great things with the show. So that, that is exciting. Um, I think generally also it's like, it's, it's very well directed. Like it, it flows nicely. I think this feels like a pretty expensive special. Um, there's a lot of sets, a lot of like, good deep like texture and color work and and contrast it's just i mean like you know i guess it shouldn't surprise anybody but um you know what was his name sorry uh toby haynes like old mate going on to work on like one of the best looking star wars projects ever made like the dude has a great eye for this um and you do feel it here i do feel like i'm watching like a a production here uh like a a proper television production
0: (laughs) yeah like a real tv show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I meant that sincerely, but yes, like I said, it is it does sound funny. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a well, it's 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 special, you know. It's a TV special, and it should feel mm. bigger than your average episode of Doctor Who. Um, yeah. No, it is. It does look good. It does look good. Let's talk about uh, if if you don't mind me just bluntly changing topics. <laughs> um, let's talk about our characters here because we don't have a big cast, but they are. Um, Big elements of the episode. This is a whole. This is a story about characters. In in the end of the day, the main one being mm. Matt Smith and his role in this episode as the the time traveling um, ghost of Christmas past. Um, mm. It's a great. Uh, yeah, it's a great. Um, not only is it a great use of the time travel mechanic in a really simple way uh, through this episode, but Matt Smith as this kind of like impish guide to all people like he's best friend to children uh matchmaker extraordinaire uh timeless alien um (laughs) you know child at the end of the day like he's just playing all these different kinds of characters and it's very consistent performance and um yeah i guess i say it's his best performance to date because it it he is up front and center for the entirety of it and so mm, it really lives yeah. and dies on his performance. Um, I don't know. What do you think?
1: I just, I agree with everything you've just said. Like he's, he's perfect for this. Like he's, he's also the right age for this particular doctor story. Cause like you said, there is that kind of like impishness to him here. Um, there's a, a playful, seriousness which he's always been really good at but like the the kind of like the overarching stakes of like you know they've got what three hours until the ship crashes or something like that um so you've got this kind of like technically like there's a loose timeline hanging over everything and so while he spends a lot of this episode kind of like hanging out with young Kazran uh taking them all these fun adventures you know sort of like reliving this kid's life for him um you do occasionally you still get those moments where like he, when he has to sort of snap back to attention about what's really going on here and the, the death, the threat of death that's hanging overhead. Um, he's able to snap back into that super serious old man in a young man body vibe. Um, And he's just, yeah, like he's, he's perfect.
0: He is really perfect. And I think that the, the, the script for him as well, is, it's just perfectly suited to his capabilities. There's one moment I really love, which is, so he's been taking Kazran and uh, Abigail was the, the woman in the, um, in the, um, the box. the box, the box, the box, the box, um, out on all these Christmas Eve adventures. And then eventually Abigail tells Kazran, young Kazran, I should say, um, that she only will have one day to live after this adventure. Uh, to, so Kazran like puts her back in the box and is heartbroken basically. And he cuts off ties with the doctor And like, he's, he's kind of brushing it off. He's just like, you know, nothing's the problem. Everything's fine. And the doctor's trying to be jovial. And then eventually he just kind of, Matt Smith just lowers his voice and he just kind of leans in and he's like, you know, what's happened? What's changed? What aren't you telling me? Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. It's not big. It's not blustery. It's not, You tell me right now. What is it that's happened? Uh, It's just quiet. I don't know. I don't know why that makes it better but it, it just feels more authentic. Um,
1: I, I do know exactly what you mean. Mm. Like he has a perfect command over tone in those quiet moments. Like he, he's good at the big stuff. Obviously he loves his big speeches and his big yelling, but um, you know, it's something that I think we noted throughout series five that really kind of comes into focus in the second half of it. But um, when Moffat writes Smith's doctor as compassionate, it's at his best. Um. Mm. And this episode is like a tour de force of compassion for Matt Smith.
0: It is. It is. um, And he is. He just knocks it out of the park. He doesn't have a lot of compassion for Marilyn Monroe. Basically runs away from her on their wedding day. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but but you're not the doctor. (laughs) You're a different doctor.
0: (laughs) You stole my joke. Don't watch Blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Oh, God. oh, my God. Yes, yes. Uh, that's exactly what I wanted to happen, and you made it happen. Thank you so much. Um, Matt Smith, good. Kazran, we get uh, a great performance from Michael Gambon uh, in this episode as old Kazran, obviously better known to people as Dumbledore from Harry Potter. Uh, he was the first Dumbledore, right? The second one. The first one was Richard uh, Harris, who died. Who died. I want to yeah, say Harry right, Potter I mean, with asterisks, yeah. asterisks in them
1: but i don't know how you it. oh that. well i mean everyone knows fuck harry potter at this point yeah yeah fuck harry potter anyway yeah
0: <laughs> anyway um uh what was i going to say but yeah uh, another another out. really good performance um it's just it there's there's a particular kind of like mercurialness about him as an actor that I respond to, but he's doing this weird kind of cockney thing. I don't know how you feel about his performance, (laughs) but he plays that first scene very like jokey. Um, and I think it's intentional and I think it's like a way to off put, to just kind of put the audience on the back foot because then he does get angry, especially when he's playing the older father version of himself. Um, Mm -hmm. and you do see that fury there. He plays that quite well. Um, and it's it's just very odd it, it would be such a hard task for an actor to basically be like okay you are this character and you're going to keep being that character but your timeline is going to get fucked up so you're going to get progressively softer um i don't even know how you think or yeah, imagine like the, how that um, happens in your head
1: yes uh, i i completely agree like your interiority is going to have to change in real time basically um And that's like, it's a fascinating challenge. He like, he does knock it out of the park. I agree that initially I was like, Oh, I like you as an actor, but this is a bit silly. And like, I get it. It's a Christmas carol. He's meant to be like the Scrooge character. So I figured that that was just what I was going to be in for. Um, But then the moment that the doctor starts intervening in his life, you get just um, a wholly different, um, uh, very deep layered performance going on there. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, really enjoy him. Kazran's arc, I think is, is, like, <clears throat> I mean, it's exactly the arc you're going to expect. Like he, he changes his mind. He does the right thing. Yada, yada, yada. The more interesting stuff is his relationship with Abigail and the, you know, like, like you were saying before, how can you choose one final day to be with the woman that you love? Like that is the more, that's the meat of his arc for me. Um, it, it's also, and yeah. Oh. Sorry, uh, you finished your thought. No, no, you I go. I
0: thought you were finished. Sorry. Um, it's also a relationship with him. And himself. And that's obviously the the linchpin of the, yeah. the big uh kind of qu- and at the same time quiet um reveal, which is that the ghost of Christmas Future is himself to himself, because the Doctor brings his younger version back forward in time to see the man he'll become. Um mm-hmm. which I just think is just I, I every time I think about it, it's just like such a neat uh take on that story. Um mm. in the way that only Doctor Who can do. Um You know, you see in this in real time. You see, like, old Kazran raise his hand to his younger self, mirroring his father, and then feeling that because this happened to his younger self, yeah, and it catching up with him. In uh, oh god, it's just mind bending. I feel about this the same way that you probably feel about River Song.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, fair, fair. Uh, look, on that note, I will say that I think this is some of the best timey-wimey magic that Moffat's ever pulled off, um, not just from a writing point of view, like you're saying about like the, the interiority and in the character work sort of catching up with him. Um, I think that that shot of him getting in the TARDIS and then appearing in the footage of Ka- that Kazran is watching of his child self is one of the best best shots in all of Doctor Who. Um, like I was I, I got goosebumps just thinking about it then. Like a- absolutely astounding bit of imaginative time travel stuff. Hmm. Um and then, you know, the way this episode ups the ante from there every single time. You know, you go through Kazran's like entire well, he's up until what? Like I don't know, maybe twenty years old? Uh yeah, I guess like young,
0: it'd have to be twenties, right? Because the Abigail yeah. actress well, and we'll
1: get into that, I suppose. But go on. Well, that's a that's a that's a whole other problem box right there. Um, but yes, uh, yes, the, the Kazran stuff uh, as the linchpin for the time magic here. You know, I, I was reading. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so there was a a video of the song that she sings at the end, and I was listening to it the other day, and I was reading some of the comments, and there was a lot of people talking about how like. Oh yeah, this episode is like, everyone loves it, but I don't get it because it just shows you how like omnipotent and powerful like a time Lord can be to just fuck with your life like this. And one, I found that super interesting Mm. as two dudes who have spent the last like two years of our podcast been like, David Tennant isn't very good at being a good person in this show. You know what I mean? Like the whole point of his doctor arc for us being the corruption of power, Mm. um, And then for the Christmas special with Matt Smith to be the one where people are like, hang on a minute, (laughs) I found very, very funny. Um, But two, it does get to the point that like, this is like a massive change that he's making to this, this dude's life. And it is obviously for the better, but it's still a huge thing to do to someone. Yeah, it is.
0: And I don't think it's excusable at all. Um in the same way that I don't think it is excusable in the David Tennant years. I suppose that the two key differences is that it is openly criticized in the David Tennant era. Even if it not consistently, there is one episode that makes a stake in, in the ground that says this kind of power is not what you should have. Um, that's a time Lord. And so that is the, the thesis, even if it's not stated explicitly elsewhere. Um, and the second part is, I kind of feel like... And this is a very flippant comment to make. But I kind of feel like this episode earns this... A, by being a, a, a quasi-adaptation of existing of an existing novel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But B, because the lyricism of it and the... Um, I, I'm, I'm f- afraid of saying this because basically that argument boils down to... Well, it's good art, so it should be able to do what it wants. No. That's
1: not true. I think, but I wonder if I, if I could be so bold, I wonder if what you're driving at is that like, it's okay to depict these kinds of things if they're well depicted, I guess.
0: Yeah, but it's not, it, it that's true. It's, I guess what I'm more saying is it's okay to excuse these things. And that's the, um, sort of the sticking point. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think you've also got to look at, like, you know, I'm, I mean, look, if we're going to have a serious conversation about the, you know, the uh, power dynamics in Doctor Who and a Christmas special, let's fucking do it. But, like, the intention behind the doctor's actions here being to save 300 people, including his friends, 4, right? 000. Um, Against. And, and, and if I had one major criticism of A Christmas Carol as an episode is that I don't think there's a good enough reason given why he would let those people die in the first place other than just, oh, I'm a shitty old man. And I get that that's probably the point because it's just A Christmas Carol. Um, but I would have liked like, oh, well, if I turn off the machine, I'm going to lose profit or just, just something, right? Um, so you've already got like a pretty flimsy reason as to why he's letting these people die in the first place. So you're like, well, this dude's just a piece of shit if he's happy to let these people die you know, he probably is going to get a bit of what's coming to him here. And there's a way in which this story unfolds in which the doctor just effectively traumatizes him into doing it. But instead he he you know, gives him the gift of empathy basically. Right. Um, that's a whole other point. But with uh, David Tennant's uh, doctor's abuse of power, mm. I feel like you and I always came back to the idea that like he would deploy time travel in a way that was like, it was gatekeeping. It was aristocratic. It was, you know, specifically to prevent anybody else or anything else from encroaching on his level of power. Right. Mm. When Matt Smith uh, in, in this episode, when his doctor starts fucking with time like this, it's to save lives and to save a man's soul from himself effectively. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a really crucial uh,
0: distinction to make, which is, it's not, it's not, um, well, it is self-serving in a way because his friends are on that ship, so he wouldn't have gotten involved in the first place unless he hadn't put them mm. on that in danger. Um... I don't know, that you raise an interesting point and I just don't think I have the chops to really discuss it properly. <laughs> To be completely frank, no,
1: I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's Doctor Who. Like the the character's entire premise is to fuck with time and to get away with mm. shit that everyone's should, in theory, be like, is this okay? But we are talking um, about we
0: are talking about ethics here, and also like just Doctor Who mechanics in terms of like, well, if he can do this this time, why doesn't he do it every single time? He yeah, you know, it, yeah this kind of problem happens, and the answer is if he- what if he goes back in time and saves Davros? <sighs> well, well. <laughs> 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 that 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 kind, my response there just made it seem like I don't like those episodes, and that's not true at all. But it's been a very long yeah, time. And since the tone I've of me it.
1: saying that sounds like it too, but no, like, I'm I'm very excited to watch those and specifically talk about these exact mechanics and ethics. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh the Capoldi era? Yeah. Can't fucking wait. <laughs> oh, is that Capoldi era that was over just there? Sincerely like, can we just get there yet? <laughs> Yo, get me some. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, is that the Capaldi era? <laughs> oh, be sure to grab me some. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry. That's... that is such a specific <laughs> reference point. Um, go watch Younger. It's a pretty good TV show. It falls apart at the end. But God, there are some good jokes in that ending. Mm, I really feel like some love Dove chocolate now. Have you got any? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll FedEx
0: it to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Um, uh, what is there to talk about? Abigail. Abigail beautiful singing voice acting oh, stunning when you're alone oh silence is all you'll know i love how everyone tripped over themselves to be like oh it's about the silence uh way back in 2010 and it had nothing to do with the arc of series six other than saying the word silence
1: <laughs> when you're in the woods a bad wolf is hunting you. <laughs> oh torchwood is an organization
0: Headed by (laughs) John Barrowman.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, Torchwood. (laughs) Anyway, that's a, we don't really have time to talk about that today. I don't want to talk about that today. I don't want to talk about it. Leave me alone. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) Um, Abigail, I find interesting because like, I do think that there is, um, some pretty wibbly, wobbly Moffity women stuff going on here. Um, you know, she's initially wheeled out in the frozen box and she's like immaculately frozen. She looks like fucking Elsa. Um, and the idea that like she has to stay in that box and then they bring her out every Christmas Eve as Kazran is aging to like show her more of the world and to have fun with her and go time traveling, fun adventures. It, all for the purpose of, I'm guessing, warming up Kazran to the idea of loving someone or whatever. Um, But skipping over the fact that the doctor is consistently just putting a humanly trafficked person back into a box i
0: know i know um like
1: they're all people he could have freed all of them you know could have could have freed all of them (laughs) and like is it the fact that like oh well she's pretty so that's why she gets to go free and then again it's the commodification of women as like you know, Oh, she's this like gorgeous Aryan blonde lady. Like it is, it, she, she operates as a reward for Kazran more than a character in her own. Right. Even if I think like, it's an amazing performance and there is some nuance granted to her through that performance and through some of the later scenes. Um, it's still not enough to elevate her above like, okay, Moffat, you essentially wrote a plot device here and that, that mm. sucks. Mm, it does because it's a walking plot device who also saves the day
0: because they sing really beautifully. Which is beautiful. It's a beautiful song. She's got a great voice and that's all good. Yeah, it's her um, actual
1: singing as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a well-known um, opera singer. Um, mm. But um, uh, yes, you, everything you're saying is correct. It's also, you know, Kazran meeting her as a child and then growing up <laughs> to be the same. Well, a, 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 a not so problematic age as her where they could fall in love, but she still knew him as
1: a child. Uh, there's just yeah so the implication being that like for every christmas eve ev- uh, every year they would let her out and they would go on adventures with her right and so she's watched him age from what like seven eight years old um and one day they opened the box and she's like oh kazran and it's like bro you you would have just seen him at like 14 15 16 as well though <laughs> like you knew this was like, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's clunky and weird. It is clunky and weird. And it's,
0: <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. It's problematic. And I don't think there's, oh, there's a good
1: twist on this. It's, it's just, no, really I, I don't, I don't either. Even if I do think that the, like the, the dilemma there being right, that like she, when she was frozen, she was terminally ill There's been no way to fix it. And so every time they were letting her out, they were using up more of her time, basically. Um, And eventually she has one day left, so he doesn't unfreeze her for 50 years or whatever. Um, And that effectively freezes his heart in place. What I found really interesting was that, you know, um, the Doctor had effectively changed the timeline. Like, he he had fixed Kazran's, you know, sort of, like, empathy and sympathy towards other people and whatnot. Um... But then because of what happens with Abigail, it you know, causes what, that scene you were talking about earlier where he pushes everybody away and he retreats back into that darker version of himself in a way that's very much like, hey, are we dealing with like, are some people just fated to be the way that they are? Well, it, no matter what intervention happens, are we always going to end up back here? Um, that's really interesting and, and fun. Doesn't really do anything with it. And that's okay. It doesn't have time to. Um, but I do like when when she's finally let out for that final day, uh, and she's like, oh, look how old you become. Like you, you silly dickhead. You waited too long. Um, there was something very sweet there.
0: Yeah, it is sweet. Even if I do see the two of them together and I just think, ew. <laughs>
1: but that's oh a- yeah. It's, it's, it's not pleasant. Um, no, but I do like that. There's no like, oh, and she's cured, you know? No, she's still going to die. It's still,
0: it's still tragic. Um, do you know what James? And you, the more we've talked about this, the more I'm I'm less convinced this is a good episode. Um, nah, Nah. <laughs> I know, I know. Just this this particular point is it is it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, it I, it's kind of ruined the the overall magic of it for me, actually and truly. <laughs> I mean, that's fine.
1: Hmm. Mm, well, great. <laughs>
0: i just I, yeah i think now that i'm thinking about it there are better episodes that play on the themes that we're talking about here and one of which is one of my favorites and i just watched it recently which is the husbands of river song
1: um yeah just it yeah, just reminds me of the, i didn't the, like that when i first watched it I'm, I'm very curious to see how i'm gonna feel this time
0: well yeah I, that's that's curious you didn't like it actually um I just, I'm just reminding myself of some of the deficiencies of the Matt Smith era, especially when it comes to women and when it comes to
1: sex and gender. Um, and I mean that, and that was always going to be the problem we ran into with with early Moffat. You know, like he. Clara is only held in such high esteem by us because she contrasts so strongly with what has come before her, mm. not just in Moffat's time, but also in, in RTDs and the show in general. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't blame you for like grappling with some of these like weirder feelings. Mm. Like I think this is an enjoyable episode if you don't think about it too hard.
0: Well, it but.
1: is. And it's still, it's still
0: <laughs> beautiful. Um, but yeah, I guess that, yeah. Hmm. Sorry, audience, you're you're hearing me grapple with this in real time. (laughs) It's almost like Mm. someone's gone through my timeline and changed my opinion of things. Oh, Oh, whoa.
1: Uh. I don't have anything else to say, do you? No, neither do I. Uh, Well, look, on that conflicted note, uh, A Christmas Carol, what are you giving it? Hmm.
0: (laughs) That is a good question. I think... God, I probably would have given it an A before, but I'm just going to put it down to an A minus and just stew on that for a bit more. I think. That's fair. What about you?
1: I'm um, probably like a B plus. Oh, okay. I want to
0: change mine to B plus then.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> There's that that academic consistency that you come to two hearts for.
0: Uh, yeah, these these scorings. <laughs> One day we should go back and actually note what we're giving these episodes.
1: Oh, that's going to take so much fucking effort. I know. Let's not. Listener. Yeah. If anybody out there wants to do it, please. And then we'll buy you a Coke.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. We'll buy you a
0: Coke. I hope that you live in Adelaide. Otherwise, I don't know how we're going to get it to you. I'll ship it to you. I'll Venmo you a couple of dollars. Do people still Venmo? I've never Venmoed in my life. I didn't think it was a thing here. Oh. Well, the more you know. Um, Is that Venmo? Well, great. No, just regular PayPal. <laughs> Huh. I, I thought it was Venmo. PayPal.
1: <laughs> nope just just PayPal. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> God. Hey. Um, <laughs> that's a wrap on on 2022 for us. Hey. Well done.
0: Um, we did it. We did it. We got through this year without too much drama. Well, enough drama for me. i I'm, I'm I'm done with drama.
1: Hey, look, I mean, I started the year in a bad place. You finished it in a weird place. Like, it, it mm, swings and roundabouts for everybody.
0: Yeah, it is. But, you know, the one thing that's been consistent in through that whole time is uh, Doctor Who... Well, not Doctor Who on television,
1: which has been the most inconsistent it's been in years. Um, I'd also argue, <laughs> and not on our podcast, which has been the most inconsistent <laughs> since its inception. So, I don't know where you're going with this.
0: No, I guess... I guess from the listener's point of view, it's not been very consistent, but f- from our point of view, you and me, we've we've done this podcast. We've talked about it constantly. We've always said to each other, Oh, we should really do that podcast. Oh yeah. And done nothing with it. How long has it been now? A month and a half? Nah, no, may as well make it two. <laughs> yeah, let's round it up to an even <laughs> number. Um <laughs> but no, it's been good. And and you know, the other thing that's gotten us through this year is obviously the media we consume. And James, I think you want to talk about a couple of things that near and dear. That was a, that was a very smooth transition. Oh, thank you. I really try sometimes. Um, you want
1: to talk about some things that are near and dear to your heart from this year? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously video games are a pretty big part of my life. Um, on well eu, we've just done our game of the year, uh, sort of wrap up. Um, now my personal top three for the year being a small, uh, Indie horror game called Signalis, If you like um, old school PS1, PS2 era Silent Hill, Resident Evil type experiences, plus some very big sci-fi concepts and political and, and gendered writing, uh, I'd highly recommend this. Um, Elden Ring, obviously from software fans. What's up? You know, uh, you know what Elden Ring is. I don't have to pitch that to anybody. Um, and Immortality is not just my favorite game of the year. Probably my favorite piece of media from this year. Um, this is a uh, sort of like a live-action footage video game where you have to cobble together a bunch of clips from this actress's... Uh, she's done three movies across, like, 30 years, uh, and then she goes missing at the end of production of the last one, um, and you have to figure out what has happened to to this woman, Marissa Marcel. Um, it is an exceptional bit of uh storytelling it's it's spooky it's unnerving voyeuristic sexy mature it's it's so many things and i'm I'm so glad that i got to write about it uh for for my job it's it's one of those one of those times where i feel very lucky to to sort of be in this position um are there any games this year that you wanted to shout out um or oh, you're the more prolific gamer of the two of us, so
0: I guess the only thing I would say is another year has gone by where I haven't completed uh, Breath of the Wild, so yay me. Um, yay. Uh, I've just looked up Signalis, and it's someone's comparing it to um, Resident Evil, so now I know why you like it so much. Um, yes. Oh, oh yeah. Um, video games, video games. Uh, I don't know. Um... The Sims. I got back into The Sims, which also reminded me of how much I hate the, S- <laughs> the Sims. <laughs> Great. <laughs> only, um, only. You can just say don't really have anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I want to give something because I do engage with it. As a, it's not my favourite. Um, and then one thing I will say about The Sims is that I I think that like it. I don't know who out there plays the storylines where they have to unlock. Like things because I lose patience almost immediately once I've done building the house. I don't want to (laughs) play these people that I've created and spent hours like putting together. I just,
1: but I think that might just be me. No, I get it. Like, I want to choose like even cushion colors and textures, but I don't want to play the game. No, (laughs) yeah, I don't know why we're like that.
0: Anyway, um, I, on the other hand, have been watching. Uh, I don't watch as much TV and you know, um, and films and things as I used to. For TV, I should say, but films. have probably gone to the cinema a lot this year. You and I have gone to the cinema a lot this year. We've seen a lot of good stuff. Uh, Spencer obviously is is pretty high up there as a film to watch for the year. Um, everything everywhere. Was that this year? That was this year. I think it was the no, first one. No, it was. It was January. We saw it in January this year. Spencer.
1: Was this year?
0: Spencer, I might it might have been released like Boxing Day last year, but oh my god! I I um. Time means nothing to me anymore. Holy shit! No, and we saw it this wow. year, so I consider it a film from two twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um, and obviously, everything, everywhere, all at once was pretty high up there on my list. Mm-hmm. We saw Avatar, which was great. Avatar two, Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun Maverick. The biggest, uh, yeah, I was not expecting to love that as much as I did. I would say the biggest surprise
1: of the year yeah. in, in a film.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because um, Tom Cruise, fuck that. Fuck him. Fuck him. I don't like Tom
1: Cruise. And yet, he flies that plane real good. <laughs> you fired that gun real good, Sean.
0: <laughs> Maybe yeah. I was wrong about you. Maybe I was wrong about um. <laughs> all Scientologists. <laughs> <laughs> oh i shouldn't make these jokes um yeah books what have i read oh actually okay i did finally finish hanya yanagara's uh, little life this year and it was devastating james you can attest to this because i was always calling you and being like why am i reading this depressing book that makes oh, me want to kill myself that book yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but turns out i loved it and i would read it again in a heartbeat it was just
1: yeah excellent excellent what about you on the topic of books uh, I read the entire Witcher series Mm. this year um cannot recommend that enough to uh, fantasy nerds out there that thing is a great journey um yeah, I don't really have much else to say about it other than, like, I understand why it has gone on to spawn these other sort of adaptations of it. I've been watching the Netflix series. It is not good. Um, I, I really would not recommend it. I think just stick to those books. Have a great time. They're really well written. Uh, great characters. Some of my favorite uh, depictions of sort of gender politics in fantasy settings that I've seen for a while. Um, just, yeah, good shit.
0: Really good shit. Yeah,
1: I, I actually can't wait
0: to get into the, those books in the new year, I think. Um, the, yeah, I did start playing The Witcher at the end of this year and the tiny little bits that I have played of it, The Witcher 3 I should specify, Um, the tiny bits that I've played of it have been, yeah, surprisingly, I'm just surprised at how well integrated that whole world is in that game. So, mm, definitely. um, No, very much looking forward to that.
1: I think the reason this whole segment even exists oh. for us, so... TV shout out super quick before we dive into why we're even doing this today. Um, Andor, as we mentioned before, uh, I, I think that I've surprised Callum with how good Andor actually was. Um, I wasn't surprised. As someone who hasn't enjoyed the Star Wars TV shows. Uh, it is fantastic. Mm. Um, you know, there was that period of time earlier this year where it was like that rotation of what was it like, Monday was Game of Thrones. Wednesday was Andor, yeah. Friday was Rings of Power. Um, and if you told me that Andor was the show that was going to be the best of those three, I would have laughed you out of the room. But it is, hands down, so good. And I we, like, we, we both really enjoyed House of the Dragon. Um, but, yeah, Andor.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't think I was ever disbelieving of your opinion of it. I I think that, yeah, you, you're the biggest Star Wars fan of the two of us. So, you've watched Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Obi Wan, and uh, just you always uh, came back and uh, to me <laughs> and said how awful they were. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, um, uh, well, there's no reason to think this wouldn't have been just as awful, but like the people behind it, obviously, uh, uh it's a different team and different intentions. And mm. so the science should have been there from the start. It was going to be different. Um, but you never know. Um, <laughs> Andor and Toby Haynes, obviously, you know now there's some Doctor Who relations there. Um, yeah, yeah. The other one of. <laughs> Wait, can I skip ahead to talk about the thing that we're here to talk about?
1: No, no. Like, are there any other TV shows you want to shout out first? Um,
0: I mean, House of the Dragon was a shock to me. It really did good... pick up. Yeah, yeah. The first couple of episodes, I thought this is going to be a cash grab game of thrones kind of you know thing and i think the fact that it uses the game of thrones theme music was not a good sign in that second episode but no. once the third episode kicked in and we got i don't know deeper into that world it, it sang and it just went from strength to strength and i i can't wait for the next series i think it's just set the stage so beautifully for ongoing series of this show um mm-hmm. The same I feel about Andor, which is why I'm really surprised it's not going to be longer than two seasons. Um, but whatever. But
1: I do love that they've got a plan. They're going to get in, they're going to get out. Yeah,
0: maybe that's better. Maybe that is
1: better. Um, let's talk about the the, the the show, though. The show. So, folks, today is the 21st of December and Calum and I have both binged watched I Hate Susie 2, which is the Christmas... Season two special, three episode, whatever, uh, of Billy Piper's I Hate Susie TV show, which is about Billy Piper playing, uh, I would say, a fictionalized version of herself, mm. right? She's
0: denied that. And I, I, I see what she means because, like, it's it's definitely not her. The character is not her, but it's taken no. elements of her life to build this fictional character. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the first season premiered back in 2020, it was very, it was very good, very honest, very fucking angry, yeah. raw. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing I love about the show and why I can't rewatch it too often is because it is sometimes very bleak. Um, yes. But it is raw and it's very angry and you don't see television be so angry as much you know the other show that it brings to mind for me is something like uh, i may destroy you the michaela cole show um yeah or like it's a sin from (laughs) russell t davies like those were angry shows but they were
1: yeah and i think similarly as well like Andor is a very politically angry show like Mm. it, it seems like we're finally starting to see these kind of like streaming networks produce it's a very real art here, mm. I guess. I know that's a hoity-toity thing to say, but I, I, I definitely feel like we're at a tipping point. Um, and I hate Susie 2 Is um okay? Let's say two episodes in, I was like, oh, you know, it's fantastic, it's a banger, blah 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 blah. And then by the end of the third episode, I it's just it's a profoundly uncomfortable experience um, in ways that you we can't really explain because we don't want to spoil anything, obviously. Mm. Um, but this is a a very um, unflinching look at how women are treated. Um, well, I mean, how women of a certain social stature, or however you want to, just because obviously she's still a white woman operating in certain privilege circles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like, just on an interpersonal level and a political level, um, there is. Uh, Susie gets subjected to quite a bit uh, in in this special.
0: She does, and and. You know, I think the key thing with this character is that it's someone who, you know, it's established, as has been famous her whole life, basically, and has come from working class mm. back, like, um, uh, working class environment. Um, so it, it's interesting, the kind of the interplay there with her best friend, Naomi, who's like someone who comes from, from privilege and who is a person of color. Um, mm-hmm. well, I hate using that term, but, um. Unless someone has agreed to, to use that term, because I know how controversial it is to... Not controversial, but it's not yeah. a a catch-all. So, um, the character Naomi um, is someone who comes from privilege, but is also, like, deemed less deserving of, like, autonomy in a weird way because of their relationship, their unhealthy relationship they have with, with Susie. Um, we could ramble. And we very well have. Uh, before we did a big long phone call after we all we both watched the three episodes and just kind of ran it down point by point about how good it was. But this is mm. this is like uh, it's knockout. And Billy Piper, oh God! Like we always knew she was talented, but she is just this kind of. I hate the word powerhouse. Cause I think it gets used, it gets used too often, but she is a it power does. house. She is full of power. Um, yes. and it's, this is a
1: performance onto itself. Like yeah. it's, uh, probably the, the hardest thing I've had to watch this year. Yeah.
0: Yes. Especially because like it, it, it it's just all tension all the time. You never get yep. a, a respite from it, you know? Um, there isn't a quiet moment. And when it is, there is a quiet moment. You're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. You know, it's never
1: peaceful. Mm. No, exactly. There's no catharsis here. Um, and that's obviously very deliberate. And look, I, I know that the way we've, we've sort of framed this show is that like, it's an unpleasant and uncomfortable watch. And that's because it is, but you should absolutely come and watch. I hate Susie. Mm. It is. It's phenomenal. Mm. Uh, the writing is incredibly sharp. It's very insightful. Um, and, yeah, Billy Piper, to, to be able to go from, like, let's talk about Rose and how much fun we have with Rose and how fun Billy Piper is, and then over the past couple of years to watch her develop this show where she gets to be just this entirely separate new thing that I've never seen from her before. I didn't even know she was capable of. Like she's always been a good actress. Here she is a phenomenal actress.
0: You should really watch, now we're just going to recommend stuff to each other. You should, if you can watch her performance in Yerma, which was the the big thing that she did after Doctor Who, I suppose, other than Secret Diary of a Call Girl. And she played a woman, like it's a problematic script. I'm not going to lie. Um, but her performance in that it's a stage play. Um, is just oh okay it's 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 this same level it's this same go anywhere nice no holds barred could do anything kind of performance um and you know Billy Piper is also I think just someone who has is fizzing with ideas um all on the same kind of track because she's done she also directed her own film Rare Beasts which is a kind of a, a messier version of I hate Susie I would say um, and I think I do mean some criticism in that, in that <laughs> assertion. Um, but it's still, you know, she's undeniably watchable, I think. And I could just, yeah. I could just, if she was in every show playing every character, I'd be very happy with that. <laughs> um, let's see her and a Ryan Johnson. Yeah,
1: Let, let's do it. Uh, glass onion or no knives out three. Uh, what's happening in Britain? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, sound three. What's happening in Britain? <laughs> <laughs> I <clears throat> want to make this happen. I do.
1: <laughs> Great. Excellent. Well, is there anything else you want the listeners to know before we wrap up 2022?
0: Just that when we come back in 23, we'll obviously be kicking off with series six proper. So doing uh, the Impossible Astronaut Day of the Moon two-parter. Um, don't know oh, when we're going to do yes. that or when it's going to come out. I'm moving to Sydney in the new
1: year, um, and, uh, to take up a new job. It seems very likely I will also be moving to Sydney (laughs) in the new year. Um, so things are going to be in, uh, in flux, I think for a little bit, just for the, for probably January and probably part of February, depending on how all this shakes out. Yeah. Um, but we will obviously endeavor to get things to you as soon as possible. Um, and yeah, I guess just have a, a happy and safe holidays. Thank you for listening. It's weird to be sincere with you. I don't know what to do hmm. here. You mean me or the audience?
0: No, the audience. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we, we know you're there even if we don't, uh, why don't you, f- even if we don't hear from you? <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a disapproving parent, like, <laughs> why don't you call more? <laughs> yeah. Um, it would just be great to check in sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> good to hear your voice, you know, because your father misses you. He doesn't even remember your voice. Um, <laughs> no, it is it's it is it is what it is. And, you know, we, we're glad you're here for us <laughs> for, through this year. We're glad you've been here with us through this year. Uh, can't wait to bring you more Two Hearts content in 2023, which is so weird to even say. Because 2013 it's... was the 50th anniversary and Clara was around, you know. We're 10 years after Clara. Can you believe that?
1: Oh, that's actually kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It is. But anyway. Uh, We'll also endeavour to remember our um, show's anniversary next year because we completely missed it this year. Um, We miss
0: it every year since we started.
1: Uh, Yeah, we're we're not good at this, folks. We are not good at this. If you're lucky, we'll do something for the 100th episode, but... Only if you write in and tell us what you think yeah. at two podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. That's to the word two. Uh, or you can find us on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sorry, I, I took the gap in the wrong part of that sentence. <laughs> um, that's pod. Uh, to the number two as always i have been uh james you can find me on twitter at omg more james
0: and i've been callum and you can find me on twitter and instagram at theatric callum um have a safe and happy christmas new year's break whatever you celebrate and we'll see you in the new year
1: fantastic goodbye